every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. We got Chris Schubert floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network. We're brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. They've got it all. The basketball playoffs, the Major League Baseball season, eSports. They've got future bets on football, Vegas casino games, poker, They've got it all. It's your number one online sports wagering destination. We got a deal for you. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. Use our promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's bet online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy Monday to you. Happy Monday to you as well. Excited to finish the 2022 draft uh, this week go through the rest of these divisional recaps of draft classes, uh, put that in the rearview mirror, start to get into some off-season content, which I know we have a lot of great stuff planned and dialed up. So, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting times here on Draft Dudes because we're getting ready for the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. I feel like this NFC South division that we're doing today made the least amount of picks of any division. It's pretty lean, it's just, right? Right. There's not like a long list of picks that were made. So thank goodness um, for Atlanta. Yeah. 27 total picks across four teams. Seems light, doesn't it? We're going to try to do standard, math here. What's that average standard. per team? I think it's so. less than seven, which is so it's, it's less, less than, than one per round for all the teams. All right. So it's a good, good eyeball. Seven there, times four right? is 28. So got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Atlanta Falcons. Yep, they, they drafted wide receiver Drake London in the first round, number eight overall. Arnold Ebichetti, the edge from Penn State, second round pick 38. Linebacker Troy Anderson, Montana State, uh, second round pick 58. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback from Cincinnati, 74th overall, third round. D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky, edge, third round, 82nd overall. Running back Tyler, Tyler Algier out of BYU at 151 in the fifth round. Offensive lineman Justin Schaefer from Georgia, six-round pick, 190. And then lastly, tight end John Fitzpatrick, also from Georgia, six-round pick, 213. You mean to tell me that Arthur Smith took an inline tight end in the draft? <laughs> it's your, your big resounding thought? Well, no, it's just the easy layup. We got it out of the way. So now we can talk about, okay. you know, if you want to talk about how Evicady is interesting because Atlanta historically under different regimes has gone after the same style of pass rusher um, and not had great success, but I do like Evicady's chances and I thought the value was appropriate. We had him as a top 50 pick. He went 38. We could talk about kind of the versatility of the defense in general between Evicady and Anderson and Malone and what that's going to provide defensively, I think is really interesting. So, uh, and then there's low-hanging fruit and Desmond Ritter and Drake London to talk about as well. So where do you want to go? I just think kind of from an over, overall perspective here, Atlanta needed to find talent, right? I mean, this, I think, is a bottom five roster in the NFL right now. Uh, they 
tried to kind of piece it together last year and compete. They've lost a lot from last year's team, and they needed to replenish. And And we kind of had a feeling that they wanted to go with the bigger receiver at number eight. They did that with Drake London, a guy that can eat up a lot of targets in that passing game and give them some type of a focal point. Now, I mean, it's, it's a big ask for him to come in and be the go-to guy for the offense right away, but they do have Kyle Pitts in the mix. That'll be really helpful. I think stylistically, the two edge players that they got, Nebuchadnezzar and Malone, mesh well with what Dean Pease has been able to get production out of in the past. You know, you think about Harold Landry, and I think you brought this up on the broadcast. Harold Landry, a player from Tennessee that I think has some favorable comparisons to Ebiketti. And then Malone, a speed-to-power guy that you know can really create some some challenges for offensive linemen just on his unique skill set as an edge rusher. I, I love Desmond Ritter in the third round. I mean, it's great value. Um, swinging a quarterback, a worthwhile one in my mind. And, you know, Trey Anderson, the linebacker from Montana State that, you know, you think about Foye Alakun, kind of a raw player, athletic player coming out of college and, and what he developed into in this defense, got a big deal with Jacksonville. You know, Troy Anderson can kind of fit fit along those lines. So, look, they, they needed a bunch of players. They got a bunch of players, and now I think they need to stack a couple of good off-seasons together so they can start competing, against the, competing again in the NFC. I think you can boil this down very simply. Uh, this team got three top 50 players for our rankings. Uh, this team got four top 100 players in our rankings, and they got five top 130 players. And uh, they did all that with all those picks in the top 100. Um, I like the Malone fit too, as somebody who can move around and potentially play second level a little bit as well. And you think about maybe uh, what you would have hoped Rashawn Evans was in Tennessee with Dean Pease. And, yeah, good call. You know, you, you know, you can kind of see some parallels as far as what the role was supposed to be for him based on what he was at Alabama. So yeah, it's a good draft class. Uh, they they got a lot of talent. They need a lot of talent, like you said, and they got the uh, the lottery ticket with a quarterback in the third round who we thought should have been gone much sooner. So hard not to like that. Very good. Carolina? Carolina. Yeah, all right, let's do it here. I'll, I'll walk us through this one. Uh, oh, okay, guys, we have, Chris, two, other, we have yes. two other teams to get to over the course of the podcast, so don't go too long on Carolina. So I'm just going to just be careful here. I appreciate that, but New Orleans has five picks and two of them were outside <laughs> the top 150. So we'll be quick on New Orleans for sure. Uh, and it's it's hard to hate what they did. We'll get to them in a minute. So Ikem Ikwanu, offensive tackle, NC State, draft legend, according to us and our friends over at Legends. Uh, sixth overall, he was our third-ranked player, our top offensive prospect in this year's class for us at TDN. Quarterback Matt Corral, rated rookie. Friends over Panini. <laughs> this was like a brand draft class for us. If you really think right. about a, a lot of our partners and and what we've been able to do with them to help tell some stories for players, and Carolina's got a couple of them. They got Matt Corral at ninety four overall. Uh, Brandon Smith, linebacker, Penn State, one twenty overall. Amari Barno, pass rusher, Virginia Tech. They got at one eighty nine in the sixth round. Cade Mays, offensive lineman, Tennessee. They got at one ninety nine, and then Kalen Barnes. Of course, Matt Rule got a Baylor player in here somewhere along the way, and they drafted Kalon Barnes at 242. Uh, this was the speed demon from this year's NFL Combine at the cornerback position. My Panthers statistic or saying that I like to bring up all the time about the left tackle position and how they've had a different primary player 
every year since Jordan Gross retired in 2013. It's on life support. <laughs> it really, it really is. I mean, time I you get to say it. You know, it's um, it's it's been such a popular. It's probably the most common thing that I've said on this podcast outside of what's better than this, right? I mean, it's uh, pretty pretty much right there. But um, you know, I, I think I I'm still surprised that Carolina had their choice of offensive tackle at number six. Like you started to think there was a chance that they could get Neil or. Iquanu, but never did I imagine both would be there at number six. And so for this to fall the way that it did for Carolina, for them to address their left tackle need with their choice of options and, and keeping, you know, Iquanu in the Carolinas. He grew up in the Charlotte area, grew up a Panthers fan. I mean, how cool is that for him to go and get a chance to be their, you know, long term answer, their franchise left tackle? You love that. And Kyle, I really love everything, mostly everything about this draft, especially the day three picks where you get a speedy guy in Barno that, um, you know, you've seen this type of player work in this defense under Phil Snow with Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. Cade Mays, a player I know you love, I like, out of uh, Tennessee that offers versatility. You know, I think he has developmental starter upside. Kalen Barnes, obviously, a ton of speed. Brandon Smith fits their bet-on-traits mold on the defensive side of the football. The, the real wild card here, and I don't know that it really is a wild card, is Matt Corral at pick 94 the quarterback out of Ole Miss I think he's a reasonable swing at a quarterback right like they obviously had two huge needs left tackle and quarterback going into this draft they didn't find one that they liked at number six but you know to still come away with one of the top five quarterbacks in the draft in the third round is a worthwhile swing now if you're banking on him to be the franchise quarterback for the Carolina especially right away right like hey you're probably uh, really aggressive with that opinion and I took a lot of heat, as we've already talked about in this podcast, for me saying, hey, I don't really think Matt Corral is going to be their answer at quarterback, but you can see the, 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 the reason behind the trade up to get him in the third round. Did you know most people are paying too much on their auto loan? Dave used auto approved to refinance his car, replacing his overpriced loan with a cheaper loan and lowering his monthly payment. Now, since he saved with AutoApprove, he's sitting behind the third base dugout instead of the bleachers. AutoApprove connects vehicle owners with the best available rates to refinance their existing car loans with no markups ever and handles the paperwork. Yes, even the DMV, making it simple to save thousands and pay less each month. How? By instantly accessing the nation's top lenders to uncover great savings. When you refinance with AutoApprove, you get your best rate and more with an advocate that works for you to make sure you get the deal that's right for you. In fact, in 2021, AutoApprove was able to save their customers on average over $150 a month. That means more money for better seats, better snacks, or that New Jersey you deserve. Not only will they save you on your monthly auto payment, but for all of our listeners that refinance through AutoApprove, they will send you $100 cash to your mailbox. So what are you waiting for? Auto loan rates are still historically low. Take your tailgate to the next level when you refinance with AutoApprove. Put more money in your pocket for what matters most. To find out how much you can save and to claim your $100 cash back offer, visit AutoApprove.com believe. That's autoapprove.com slash B-L-E-A-V. Chris, was how are we looking on time, buddy? Great, great, great pace, guys. Great, great job. We can keep the train moving here. Great. All right, let's keep the train moving because uh, we need to talk about the New Orleans Saints and their draft class. Only five picks, uh, but three came in the top 50. Uh, Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State, 
picked at number 11 overall. The brand is alive and well. Uh, Offensive tackle Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa at 19 overall. Cornerback, defensive back Elante Taylor uh, from Tennessee at 49 overall. Linebacker DeMarco Jackson, App State, 161. And defensive lineman Jordan Jackson from Air Force at 194. Love it, man. I mean, this is another team with clear needs, right? Wide receiver, offensive tackle. They come away with Chris Olave, who I think was both of our number two receivers in the class, and they get him at 11. And then Trevor Penning, who is as traitsy of a player as you're going to find in this class, small school guy. You know, that worked out for them last time. They they, they went to the small school ranks for a toolsy tackle in Taron Armstead. Now they draft this guy to be the replacement. I love Taylor and Jackson. Get Taylor, top 50 player. Uh, I think he has a chance to be an answer opposite of A.J. Terrell, or excuse me, opposite wires crossed there, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, and then you know gives a lot more length than Paulson Adebo. And then DeMarco Jackson was a really fun player to watch on tape at App State, man. Like, I think he'll help on teams right away and give them more depth at linebacker. I love what the Saints were able to get done in this draft. So let me ask you a question. What is, in your mind, the long-term fit for Elante Taylor? Because I think there's some interesting like contract decisions they might have to make. Like I'm looking at Chauncey Gardner Johnson, right? And there's some question about whether Alante, you want to play him outside. Does he have the movement skills to really thrive outside? Can it be a, a safety? Some people thought he'd need to play safety. Well, Chauncey with some coverage skills, but a guy who's a little bit more down in the nickel and, and a little bit more involved in the fits. And Alante is so physical. So, like, Chauncey's going to get paid next year, right? And, like, New Orleans mm-hmm. could pay him, but they also just let Marcus Williams walk. Um, and they, they've brought in some new blood at the safety position, so it's not like they're barren there. And I, I guess I'm just – I'm really intrigued on, like, this This was a guy for some people who was perceived to be a bit of a tweener. And I don't know with where we graded him. We necessarily thought he was a slam dunk to play outside – but this is a place where I see multiple avenues for him having opportunities and potentially having success. Well, I think that's the good news for the Saints is that they do have options with Taylor. And you could convince me that he's an outside corner. You can convince me that he can play safety. Um, I think he's physical and tough enough to play inside. And so they can take this year and see what they have in Taylor and really get a feel for what he is as a player and help and allow that to help make decisions on where they want to go. They'll have another year of a Debo that they can evaluate at corner. They could, you know, see what Taylor can bring if they have to move on from Garner Johnson. So they have options. And and I think New Orleans has done a good job with the development of their young defensive backs to put them in a good position to make a great choice. So I, I think Taylor helps them keep more options on the table. Yeah. I mean, that, that was just kind of the one where I looked at, you know, Alave and Penning are very cut and dry. They're very straightforward. There's your starting tackle and your wide receiver opposite Mike Michael Thomas is going to take advantage of what Jameis uh, Winston likes to do pushing the ball down the field. But Alante was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to play here or I wonder if he's going to play there or I wonder if he's going to play there. So uh, really fun player. And obviously he tests a little bit of people expected with his straight line speed. Uh, it's kind of the transitional stuff that is the big question for him as far as playing on the outside. But uh, Paulson and Debo had the same questions, right? And, mm-hmm. and so they, they are kind of showing us they've they've got a type here for DBs, and they they really like the physical guys with some straight line twitch and physicality to their game. And 
We'll see if Alante can either push Paulson Adebo or be considered the heir elsewhere. But uh, the last team that we have, Tampa Bay, picked twice in the second round, three in the top 100, four in the top 106. As far as the volume of draft picks that they have, uh, Tampa drafted defensive lineman Logan Hall at 33, the first pick of the second round. Luke Godecki, offensive lineman from Central Michigan at 57. Rashad White, running back, Tampa Bay at 91. Cade Otten, which I think was a great value pick for them. Tight end uh, from Washington at 106. Uh, Punter Jake uh, Camarda from Georgia at 133. Uh, Corner Zion McCollum, the most Tampa corner you could possibly have picked for them to draft on day three. They got it 157. Kokeift, tight end from Minnesota at 218, and Andre Anthony, uh, a well-testing athlete from LSU at 248. Tampa traded back a couple times, right, with their first pick. They they traded out of the first round to like 33 and then back to 50. Kind of an interesting haul that they put together here. Um, pun intended, I guess, because their first pick was Logan Hall. Um, wow. You could see the roles that these guys are going to play and, and help their team. But it's like, do you, come on. man, I do the dad jokes and everybody gets mad at me. Kyle does them and everybody thinks they're funny. Like, what, what is going on? Because Kyle's are funny. You you didn't have to do that. Like, you could have just yes, let I it did. later. No, you don't you, know because you don't have a kid. But you, when you, you have the urge, you have to say it. But you even admitted that it was the pun wasn't intended. So it means you didn't think about it, that you just decided to say it. That's the problem I'm that we all have off here. I'm cuff here. It's not that bad of a moment. It's not that bad. Not that bad. Good Lord. All right, I guess it's just me the rest of the way here. But uh, you can see these players all filling a role for the Bucks, But I don't know that I look at this hall, Jesus, and, and think and think that um come on, I come on. All right, Kyle's flashing in and out. And feel like that they found like some super high impact players. I think Logan Hall will fit into the D line rotation. I think Godecki has developmental appeal as an eventual starter at guard. Rashad White could factor in the mix at running back. Kate Otten could factor in the mix at tight end. You know, McCollum fits their mold at corner. But, like, are we sure that they came away with impact players here? And I know that that's hard to say, you know, when these guys were drafted like two weeks ago. But I don't know that I see, like, a bunch of steals or, like, plus value here with this hole. Yeah, Joe, I just don't know if the Bucks got a whole lot better. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Chris, golf clap, please. There you go. Nothing better than turning Joe's own ammunition against him. Um, listen, so I think I think Gadecki's going to get a chance to play right away. Um, I would not be surprised with one of those those interior guard spots. Obviously, they traded for Shaq Mason. Uh, the Ali Marpet retirement still looming large. They like these pliable, uh, athletic types uh, to develop and and work inside and. Uh, we know Coach Goodwin's going to get his hands on him, and I have a lot of confidence that that Coach Goodwin will, Harold Goodwin will mold him, the offensive line coach there. I think Gadecki plays right away, and I think Rashad White gets a reasonable amount of run fairly quickly as well. Uh, and then uh, we'll see what happens with Gronk. I mean, Kate Otten might be the tight end too, stepping in right off the jump. So the Logan Hall pick for me, I guess I'm a little surprised given 
what they did with Joe Tryon last year. And uh, I understand that there's Jason Pierre Paul's not under contract anymore. So you've got some evolving components and dynamics there. But I think Hall's a little bit more of a developmental player. And if I were Tampa personally, and I have Tom Brady for this year, and I know I have Tom Brady for this year, I probably would have gone with somebody who I felt was a little less developmental, but that's just a personal critique. He could very well develop into a very good hybrid inside-outside defensive lineman. And and I trust Todd Bowles is going to get him where he needs to be. Not necessarily the vision that I might have had for that pick when it was all said and done, but I really liked how Tampa manipulated the board here and gotten to a couple different places to pick, uh, ending up with 3357 and 91 plus 106. I think that's that's three picks in 57, 91 and 106 kind of in the meat of where we felt the the depth and talent was best valued in this class and then getting out of the end of the first round when that was an area in which uh, a lot of teams probably came up grasping for straws, not really loving what they had available for them on the board at that point. So I think that's how a guy like Devin Lloyd, who Tampa traded back for Jacksonville to draft, well, positional value be damned. You had Quay Walker go in the 20s. You had Devin Lloyd go in the 20s. We had three safeties go in the first round this year. These are positions that traditionally are not coveted very high, but uh, we kind of perceived there was going to be a little bit of scarcity in the back eight picks. And so I liked what Tampa did from a manipulating the board perspective. So it's that time to piss people off where we stack the, the classes in the division. Yeah. I Man, I'll be honest with you. I could talk myself into three teams at number one. I think I'm going to go with the team. And you talk about manipulating the board. New Orleans. I think I got to go with New Orleans at one with the way that they manufactured two ones and then how they moved up with the first one to go get Chris Olave. Still had three top 50 picks. They created that draft capital for themselves, and I think that's a job well done. I'd probably lean New Orleans at one. Yeah, I've got New Orleans at one. I'm putting Tampa at four. So I would agree with you. I would say the separation from three and four is closer than the separation from one and two or one and three. Like I I have it backwards. I I am comfortable in New Orleans being one. It's the other three that I'm like, you could really stack them in any given direction for my mind. But New Orleans at one is I'm pretty steadfast on. All right. I'm going to go Carolina at two. Um, Iquano at six is unbelievable. I love what they did on day three and Corral being a reasonable swing at quarterback in the third round. I'll put Atlanta at four, but I like what Atlanta did. Or excuse me, Atlanta at three, Atlanta but three. I like what they did. You yeah. scared yeah. the shit out of me. No. We're going to have a real fist of cuffs because I'm putting Atlanta at two, Carolina at three, and Tampa at four. And just but, the, do you think Matt Cor- but do you think Matt Corral can be the franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? Anything could happen, Joe, but I would say the we'll see, right? statistical probabilities are overwhelmingly against that being the case, and there's no shame in that. You should be excited that you're aware of your weaknesses and your deficiencies, and you're trying to improve them. But probabilities indicate a quarterback with Matt Corral's profile getting drafted in 94 is probably not going to be your franchise savior for the next 15 years. 
be mad at Joe because he brought it up. Kyle Krabs. <laughs> I had to. Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, NFC South. Book is closed. That's another draft dudes in the books for you. We got three more this week before we have takes on takes, which we always celebrate at the end of the week. So plan accordingly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.